to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Thank you, Father. Just place your hands on your heart this morning. Lord, we want to thank you that this is good soil. And what you're about, and what you have been sowing today, the word that came across, the songs we sang, the declarations that we made today to you, Lord, comes from this place. And Lord, now we receive, continue to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Okay, this, this term, we are doing transforming communities because our, what's our tagline? What's our, our mission tagline? Okay, for those of you who don't know, just say, that'll be fine. That's okay. Just say it like that. Okay, say it one more time. Transforming communities through knowing Christ and loving people. So if you know Christ, what will happen? You will love people. That's right. One more time. If you know Christ, and if you love Christ, I mean, if you love people, (laughs) if you love people, they will want to know Christ, right? And when that happens, what what goes on? A community is transformed, right? A community is transformed. And you are all part of that. You are all making that work. You are all, wherever you are, in your places of influence, that's, that's, that's really what's happening, Amen. And, and today I want to I just touch on, on our key passage. Our key passage is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Right? But before that, don't show the verse yet. Before that, I want to I read, read you a story. Right? I mean, we all, we all know the story of, uh, of King David, right? And when, when, David, when, when David approached Goliath... Prior to him approaching Goliath, he went through, uh, he, he went through partic- uh, a particular experience, right? Firstly, his brothers were outraged that he even came to the forefront because they told him, hey, go back and take care of those few sheep. So they were really wanting to put him in his place. So his brothers, but, but he felt that when he came in, when he saw this Goliath, um, and this, this guy's a teenager, and he sees this Goliath out there, you know, speaking all of these vile words against the army of the Lord. Because, you see, the, the key thing here that's really important was is that if you read, if you, you know, you go back to Exodus, you go back to Deuteronomy, if you, the, the reason God took them out of, of Egypt as well was to ensure that they will not be taking on the gods of Egypt or taking on the lifestyle of Egypt. And so God was taking them into a promised land, a land that would be flowing with milk and honey. And, and, and the basis of that was, as they went through the Exodus, as they went through, you know, Deuteronomy, Numbers, and all of that, and as you read that, you will see something, some particular things that are fairly clear. And it is all about, hey, don't adulterate yourselves with all of the gods that are out there. Don't adulterate yourselves with all of what the world has to offer you. 
And that's why he began to say, okay, annihilate the Canaanites. I mean, not, uh, yeah, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, the Amorites, and all of that, right? He began to say, these are the ones that you need to get rid of. So in order to possess the promised land, you know, one of the key things that they needed to do was to dispossess these nations, right? So there are mindsets that they needed to dispossess because these nations came with a particular culture. So we are a multicultural church. And you know that everyone, I mean, yeah, most of us here have different cultures. Sometimes you're from the same country and you have different cultures, like my wife and I are from the same country, but we have, we have a different culture. Though we're from Malaysia, she's Chinese in her makeup and I'm Sri Lankan in mine, right? And so we're, we're, we're different from a culture, from a family. When you come from different families, though, you'll have a different cultural perspective on things, right? So here, now God is trying to give the Israelites this, okay, I'm gonna take you out and I'm gonna now give you all of this. I'm gonna impart all of this into you. I'm gonna infuse you with all of this. And so then when you go, you are to be change agents in the world. You are to transform communities wherever you go and not allow those communities to transform you or change you. That you have to be different. Because there's something that is peculiar about you. Why? Because you carry, and at that point in time, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was a reflection, again, a reminder. Hey, my presence is going to be with you. So carry my presence wherever you go. Carry it with you because that's what's going to give you the victory. That is what's going to open the doors for you. That is what's going to influence. It is my presence that you begin to release. Then comes Jesus and he tears the veil, uh, the veil in, in, um, from top to bottom. Right? Not from bottom to top, from top to bottom. Right? So the veil is parted. And we all now get to go into this direct access. We've got this major presence now. And so we become what, what you've heard me use in the past is we become couriers of his presence, right? So we carry his presence. So we are like, you know, couriers. Wherever we go, we take the presence and something happens there. Something must happen there, right? If something is not happening where you and I are at, then what have, you, what, what have we done? What do you think we've done? We've hid him under a bushel. We've not allowed the light to shine. We've become so incognito that we've become totally invisible. Right? We've become totally invisible. Now, believe me, it's not an easy thing at times in this day and age to be that. You know, that's the community we were just down in, 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 in Westfield on, on Friday uh, doing a joint venture with the council and with, with Westfield management and with the police. And there was one young boy that was 17 who's out on bail that was there playing soccer with us. And there were a few other guys that were there and we were just connecting, connecting with them. You know, and we began to see that. And, and one of them asked, this, this young South Sudanese guy came up and said, when are they coming next? I said, oh, probably in a year from now. But there are two who are staying here. Oh, if they come, I'm going to come every week. Now, whether he'll show up every week, I'm not sure, but the fact that he was excited because he played with these guys and they were not just out there, but they were able to come in and engage with us. So we're looking at 
running some of these programs and really engaging, really wanting to engage these, these young people. Again, it's about transforming communities. It's about transforming communities through loving people and then through knowing Christ. So our, our, the, the first part that we're going to be doing is on transforming communities. So I began sharing about David, right? And this is what David had. When he came in, immediately he had this mindset, oh, my brothers are already thinking like this of me. Then he goes to Saul, and, and Saul says, you're, you're, you're too young. How can you face this nine-foot dude? How can you face this nine-foot giant? So all of that's going through his mind. His brothers object. Now, the, 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 the general of all generals now tell him it can't be done as such, right? And then he says, okay, now use my armor. And that armor couldn't really fit him because it was way bigger so he's got that. Then when he faces Goliath, Goliath now comes up against, against him and he says, and he's laughing at him and he's taunting him. Because here Goliath is coming with his javelin, with his spear, with all of those sorts of things, right? And, and it is this, 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 this towering guy of a, of a person comes after him, right? And you know the story, you know what happens. And, and David says that I come to you in the name of the Lord, of the armies of the Lord, of the armies of the Lord. And he, and he specifically chose that the armies of the Lord because the armies of the Lord were freaking out. They were so afraid. They were on either side of the valley. And here David comes, right? And, you know, I want to I I, I read a story that actually really happened in 2003 in Israel. In spring of 2003, Israel was fighting war against terrorism. The Israel Defense Forces were fairly successful, but a few battles were hard to win. So one such fight took place in Jenin, a Palestinian stronghold. And the Israeli fighters described an incident where the morale was very low. Many soldiers had already lost their lives, and as a last resort, an Israeli general had threatened over the loudspeaker F-16 fighter jets, that they're sending F-16 fighter jets. So now, this was an empty threat. Neither soldiers nor the terrorists took seriously at this empty threat. And not too long after that was spoken out on the loudspeaker. There was a booming, loud booming sound was heard moments later. At first, the soldiers were confused, but then they realized that it, is, it was the sound of thunder. Even though it was spring, and in Israel, it never rains in the spring. The terrorists, though, were not as wise as the Israeli soldiers. They immediately surrendered. They were terrified. And they immediately surrendered. And when asked why they said this, we heard the sound of fighter jets and knew we were defeated. God's thunder won the battle. A modern day miracle. God's thunder won the battle. You know, I was trying to share with my, my, my daughter what it means when, when the word of the Lord says, some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, 
but we will trust in the name of our God. Now you look at this instance. They were outnumbered, but God intervenes and God comes and creates this and creates havoc in the minds and the hearts of the enemy. So what you take in and the fear that you and I begin to embrace will defeat us, will destroy us. It will break us. But in this case, it helped the Israelites. What an, what an amazing thing that, you know, when God fights for us, He uses anything and everything to fight for us. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want God to come on your behalf and fight for you like that? Huh? Wouldn't you? Now, don't you think God is wanting to do that for you and willing to do that for you? I mean, absolutely, right? Now, have you caught yourself saying stuff like this? We need to go by faith. Do you say that? We need to definitely go by faith, right? But when challenged to do so, and where it is, where it is particularly, particularly where it is something uncomfortable, like maybe loaning someone your car. Now, you know, in the book of Acts, it says that we are to share everything in common. We are to have everything in common. Or give someone 10,000, 20,000. Or share a meal. Take the person out to Marcus or to Burger King or to Rick's over there. Or to buy lunch. One of the siumais or a couple of siumais or whatever. You know, when it comes to, you know, we, when, when it comes to that, then what, what do we begin to say? No, I think I better not, I better use wisdom. I better use wisdom in this aspect. Here you find God is challenging you. Take the step of faith. Take the step of faith. And then when that happens, we begin to say, no, no, no. I, I think let's, let's use a little bit of wisdom in this. I shouldn't be giving all of my money. I shouldn't be loaning my car. What if the insurance doesn't cover him or her or this or that? You know, we go through all of, all of everything and we begin to apply and say wisdom, right? The second thing now, you feel challenged to get more involved and feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Like today you heard, you know, we need last Sunday. It's not about needing volunteers, but it's about you knowing your call. Because when you know your call, you'll want to serve in any capacity, right? But as that begins to happen, and as you feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit, immediately you begin to say then, oh no, I think we need to put some boundaries. Otherwise, I will burn on both ends of the candle. Right? Then the next thing, have you found yourself saying, I'm committed to loving and helping anyone to embrace, and to embrace even those who may be a challenge to love, or the unlovable, as we might potentially put it. And when that begins to happen, do you catch yourself saying this? I think we need to be more discerning. Right? Because there are needs everywhere. So I, I don't think I should be responding to all these needs. So now there is a need for, for, for mentors. Oh, you know what? Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's send someone else. Maybe it's not me. I don't think I'm capable enough. You know, I need, I need to be more discerning in this. Now, I'm not saying that wisdom, boundaries, and discernment are not it. But the, the, the point that I'm trying to bring across is largely this, right? 
when God begins to really challenge, and when God is doing, God is God is really working within our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. No problem. Hallelujah. Even. Praise God. Thank you for the ad break, my dear. Hallelujah. So, isn't wisdom, boundaries, and discernment important elements to have in our walk with the Lord? But my question to us this morning is this. As important as it is, has it become an excuse for us? Is it, has it become more of an excuse or is it, is it actual wisdom? Is it actually that which God is saying for us to do? So I want, to, I want us to look at this, at, this, at this verse, and I'm going to read from three different versions in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, verse 5. And it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So before we go out to go and transform a community that is out there, the community that firstly needs to be transformed is the community that's in here. The community in your mind. The community that says wisdom, boundaries, discernment. The community that says, you know, uh, you know I've, I've experienced that before. I don't think I want to do it again. It's, it's this community, the community of your mind. What do you have in here? What do you and I carry with us? What do you and I begin to nurture inside, inside of us? Here you begin to see that Paul is saying this now in the Amplified Version. It says this, We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every, and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Now let's look at the Passion Version. It says, we can actually demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to, to the anointed one. Now look at this message version. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Right? Haven't you and I realized that every time we step out in faith to do something, you know, something out there doesn't seem to work well. The, suddenly you get four seasons in a year, I mean in a day. And sometimes in an hour, that's, that's correct. You get four seasons in an hour and then you begin to think, what? God, what, what's the problem? Isn't it enough that I'm stepping out by faith and doing all of this and giving up of my time and then you, you bring in this you bring in this rain. And so we fight with God, right? And we accuse him of several different things to a point where we get really annoyed and frustrated. Am I right? And, 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 then, it, 
And then when it happens, oh, we feel a major breakthrough. And, and so that there is this fear and trepidation of wanting to step out because you, you and I feel that it is, you don't know what's actually really going to happen. Is, is, is what I'm thinking and what I'm saying and what I'm believing in actually really going to happen? So these things begin to plague our minds, friends. And so when we, when we, when we talk about wanting to, wanting to trust God, there is this thing in our community that needs to be changed. So there is a, a concept in science that I want to I make mention, which I have in, in the past. And I want to say this in relation to this particular passage of Scripture. And it says this. This is where science agrees with 2 Corinthians chapter 10. When you objectively observe your own thinking with the view to capturing rogue thoughts, you in fact direct your attention to stop the negative impact and rewire healthy new circuits into your brain. You begin to rewire healthy new circuits in your brain. And young people, I'm about to give you something right now that I want you to actually go downstairs and really talk about this. Just this one point, right? And, and you know, friends, if I don't get to finish this today, I want us to focus on this really one point. You know, it takes 21 days to break a single toxic thought. It takes 21 days to break. So if you've got a toxic thought, it takes 21 days to do that. So imagine... In 365 days, you've got 17 toxic thoughts that you can actually break. So through the year, there are 17 different, because you divide 365 by 21, right? It's 17 different thoughts that you can break. Now, it takes, it takes a further two cycles of 21 days. So all in all, it's 63 days to actually stabilize a new pattern of thinking or a new mindset. So you break a thought in 21 days. Then you take another cycle of 21 and a further cycle of 21 to begin to stabilize now this new pattern of thinking. So now we live in a world where we've embraced so many different things. You know, we've grown up saying, you know, as kids, uh, be seen and not heard. We grow up, you know, being told so many different things. And so those mindsets are within, and so there is, there is, there is, this, there is this sense of fear, right? And I want to I, I, I potentially read this, some examples here. You know, God has laid within each and every one of us here a passion. You've got a God-given passion inside of you. And if I were to ask you, what is your passion... Some of you, or maybe most of you, will turn around and say, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. And you know why you and I, why we are not entirely sure? It's because we've embraced all these foreign thoughts. We've had wisdom from everyone else apart from actually really gauging and hearing God so clearly. When God gives you and I a prophetic word, what happens? We begin to question. When God begins to speak to you, what happens? You begin to ask yourself, is that God or is, is, it, is it me? Now, an example here. My wife and I, we're exploring now a particular venture or a goal that we believe God has placed in our hearts. So what do we then do? We speak to professionals about it. 
And so we did. We spoke to some professionals who then confused us. We heard from God, but then we got confused when we spoke to professionals as David did, right? And so what happens is this confusion then we had to wrestle through, work through, and it begins to derail us. So as a young person now, youth, if you can follow Pastor Kevin downstairs, I, I want you guys to really consider the things that, that derail you in wherever you are, whether it's in your school, whether it's, your, whether it's in your university. Whatever thought and mindset that you might be having that you have really embraced that has held you back or stopped you or have placed inside of you two things, fear and unbelief. Fear and unbelief begins to hinder us from stepping out. Now, let's look, at, let's look at, an, at, at an example. There was an invitation given by Christ to Peter. Am I right? And, and the Lord said, in fact, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And so the Lord said, yeah, come. And so he got out of this boat and he began to walk on the water. As he began to walk on the water, his mind then began to engage with what he was seeing, with what he was sensing and with what he was feeling. His spirit was disengaged from having to see who this Jesus was. So his mind began to engage with his surroundings. Now, how often that begins to happen to us that as we take a step of faith and as we go and as we go out, because God's given you and I a particular passion. And we believe that this is a passion that God has given. And so sometimes we go and we speak to particular professionals, supposedly professionals, who then give you conflicting views. And you know, sometimes that is good. You know why it's good? Because it challenges you and I to actually begin to press into God to be absolutely certain that we have heard from God and that this passion is really from God because God wants to take us out of Egypt, wants to take us out of particular cultures that he's placed within us and he wants to take us out of that and bring us into a place where it becomes literally, literally our promise, right? So he brings us, so he, he, he issues this invitation, but we feel, no, 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 let me get back into my comfort zone. So then, friends, when the invitation as a church is given out for us to go and transform the community that is out there, how in the world can we, when we are already defeated in our minds? How are we going to be change agents? All of the prophetic words spoken over us, all of the prophetic words spoken over you can never make anything happen until you do what the word of the Lord says. And in here, what does the word of, what does the word of, word of the Lord say? In, in the KJV version, if I can have that, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So the responsibility then is upon us. I have to take every rogue, every thought that flies in and flies out. How many of us have tenants in here that we need to evict? <laughs> How many of us have squatters in here that have just come and have just been squatting in here? 
and now they've got squatters rights. <laughs> they do have squatters rights because it's so hard to extricate them. Right? I mean, in today's day and age, you find that even, you know, you own a house and you don't even have, as, you, you, you don't even now have rights as much as you think you do. Who's paying for the mortgage? I know the rental is. But who's taken the risk? Who's got out of the boat? Who's gone through all of the color selections? Whose name is on that? Right? So that's it. You know, we've signed this contract with Jesus saying, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you everything. And then he makes a demand and he says that. And then we've got these quarters now in here speaking and saying, no, no, no. You can't. You know, have, have, have you heard... Have you, have you heard these, these thoughts? These whispers that come into your mind? I can't do it. Do you think it's actually you speaking? I think it's one of those squatters in there. It's one of your tenants speaking to you. Another tenant is saying this, I'm so stupid. Have you ever said, oh man, I'm just so stupid. How dumb can I be? Oh, it's just too hard. I've tried it in the past and it never worked before. So why should it work now? During the time of Ezra, they were asked to build the temple. Didn't really work. Though, I mean, can you imagine? They had Cyrus who told them, who, to, who, who, told, who told the non-Israelites. In fact, actually he told the Israelites, go and get stuff from the neighbors. So can you imagine their neighbors are giving them stuff to build? I mean, imagine that now. Imagine, just imagine with me. We tear this building down. Would you love to see 12 stories going up? Would you? One, two. Would you love to see 12 stories going up? Come on. Would you? Are you afraid because you think I'm going to ask you for some money now? <laughs> some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. Yes. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Because I will trust God to move your heart to give. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen? Or we will trust. But, you know, if God does that to you, it's because he wants to bless you beyond measure. Not because he wants to leave you in the lurch and cause you to be a pauper. That's not the kind of God we serve. And that's a mindset that needs to shift. Because that squatter is in there, you know, and he's been given the squatter's rights. So we live in poverty to some extent. We don't experience the kind of blessing that we can thoroughly begin to experience in God. You know, every, this is me personally, right? This is me personally, and I'm, I'm sharing this as a personal testimony. I'm doing so much more now in terms of work, a whole lot more. My hours are very long, right? And I'm 59 years old. Going to be 59. <laughs> Not yet, going to be 59, praise God. And I was having a great chat with my number two son. And he told me, he says, because he's, you know, experiencing because he's in uni, he's working and all, there's, there's a lot, a major load and, and exhaustion. 
And so as we, as we, what's up? I, you see how God moves? He can even use Siri to speak to you. Right? Siri, in Malaysia we'll say Siri Fatima or Siri someone like that, you know. I mean, that's just, a, it's just, the, just the most bizarre thing. This happens all. Anyway, in that conversation, and I said, you know, I am I'm 59 and I'm doing so much. And he stopped and he said, that's my point. I see you and I see others and I see you guys are doing so much. You know, and in fact, he told me, and then he told me, he says, and dad, you, you, you look 10 years younger now. And I said, wow. I mean, coming from your son, that's, that's a huge compliment, right? Because they tell you the truth. <laughs> you know, and sometimes some of that you don't want to hear. But this was, thankfully, I'd love to hear that. So I just said, it's, I believe it's the joy of the Lord. I believe it's capacity. God takes you through challenges, breaks you, molds you, breaks you again, molds you, breaks you again. Because, you know, this was, this was my vessel. I was this. Then he breaks and makes it bigger. Then he breaks and makes it bigger. And then each time he breaks, I ask, why? And though I then see 2020 vision, I see the wisdom, when it happens again, I still ask why. I have never, ever stopped asking why. I mean, it gets lesser, but I still ask why. So it is, it is hard. And so we begin to embrace these thoughts, which are what? Psalm 23, no, Proverbs 23, verse 7, I believe it is. It says, as a man thinketh, so he is. How we think, we become that. So whatever we embrace, if it is hard, then it becomes, it, it basically becomes that aspect, right? You know, I, it, it's, you know, of, 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 of late, it's, it's like this. To me, it's when God begins to sharpen your thought and your mindset, when, when he begins to work, it's, he, he gives you these tools that you can just, cut through any situation in life, right? You try cooking with a pair of blunt knives. It's the worst experience, right? But imagine now you get these magnificent sharp knives. What do you want to do? You just want to cook all the time. Why? Because you can cut through. You can get the job done. You enjoy that. You begin to really, really in, enjoy that. So these, these rogue thoughts that are going through your mind, you know, as they fly in and they fly out, when you and I begin to give them a place and a position to begin to take roots, what we then do is we then allow a stronghold to be created inside of our minds. And that stronghold now will entertain more people. So you'll get more. You'll get more. They'll bring their cousins. They'll bring their distant cousins, their in-laws, their outlaws. Everyone will be in. And there will be this, this rage that is going on. And hence, we see that expressed in what? Depression. We see it expressed in anxiety. We see that expressed in fear. Fear of so many different things, right? Let me just read you some really, really quick, interesting aspects. There, is, there are three stages to stress. 
Stage one is good, is what we call good stress. You know, when you exercise, when you do all of that, it's good because it's, it really, it is, it is stressful. You, you, right? You go to the gym, you carry weights, you think it's easy, you think it's enjoyable. It's very stressful, am I right? But that is, that's good stress though. Then stage two is this, that not catching these rogue thoughts leads to toxic thoughts being wired then into the brain. So in response to protecting that, the brain and the body against particular stress, it begins to produce certain proteins to begin to protect that. So now, if this stress is not controlled, it then leads into what we commonly know as depression. It leads into depression. And it leads into the third aspect, the third stage of, of, um, of, of stress. So over time, the inflammation produced to protect the increase, that in itself, that, that, that over overproduction of that actually leads into the hardening of arteries and other cardiovascular diseases. And imagine, where did it start? It started from that rogue thought. But what do we think? Well, I've inherited from my parents, I have this, I have that, I have this and that. But in actual fact, we have embraced that thought that's way in the back of our minds. And then we begin to entertain all of its cousins. And it comes in and it strengthens that resolve. And so it creates this aspect within us. But all it started off was from a thought, a mindset. That has actually got us into that place of defeat. So if I were to ask us this morning and this week to begin to examine, to begin to reflect... You know, when we look, the, we look at, in, in today's context, you know of transcendental meditation. We look at so many different options to try and meditate, to bring some measure of peace. When God himself says, thou will be kept in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. When our minds is on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. Amen. So the things that we begin to entertain, you know, we... we in our relationship with our spouse, there sometimes is this mistrust. And particularly if we've gone through a divorce and when something happens and you think, mm-hmm, reminds me of, immediately we start thinking like that. Immediately we start thinking. And so we begin to entertain that. As opposed, to, as opposed to thinking that, man, God has given me a second chance right now. I rebuke that. I reject that because anything I entertain will become what it is. Because I then begin to fashion that. You build your house and you interiorly, I mean, you, and you decorate that. So the interior decoration of that home is based on yourself. We begin to decorate that with several different things and we live in that house. But today, God wants to come and break that. He wants you and I to begin to now challenge this, challenge this aspect, right? So there are five quick things that I, that I really quickly want to give you, right? Uh, if I can. Yes, five quick things. To take captive our thoughts, right? Can you write this down? I don't have it in on PowerPoint today, 
First, first point is this. Take or accept responsibility for your thoughts. These are all really extremely practical. Take or accept responsibility for your thoughts. As I mentioned, Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, as a man thinks, so is he. Number two, right? Are you, sorry, are you willing to admit that you can, with God's help, regain control of your thoughts? Today, will you be willing to say, man, I can regain control of these thoughts. I'm not going to let it just be this rogue thought that just, just, you know, do you catch yourself making assumptions about other people and about other things? Now, that's a sign, right? Number two is this, your mind, not just your behavior must change. So it's not just the behavior, but it's your mind that needs to change. So God calls us to change sinful behavior that does not honor him. In Romans 12, 2, what does it say? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able, and this is the most powerful part in this verse, then you may be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. And my third point is this, respond versus react. So think through your problems rather than just react to them. Think through the problems. What is it that I'm facing? What is it that I'm going through? You know, don't, don't, don't entertain thoughts like this, oh, I'll never do this again. Oh, I'll never this again. I'll never that again. Don't, don't begin to entertain thoughts like that. Now, a key thing in this aspect that I want us to remember is, is that we are able to get out of any shameful, any, any, any place of feeling despair or hopelessness and anger by taking control of our thoughts. If you don't, shame will continue to be there. Loneliness or despair will continue to be there. Friends, if we do a lot of this, a lot of the counselors are eventually going to lose their job. Now, if you're a counselor here, please, I'm not prophesying this. <laughs> Just know there are millions of people around. But if we begin to take control of this, number four, second last point, take your disabling thought captive through confession. Take this thought, capture it, now begin to confess it. Now, Romans 12, 21 says this, confront your disabling thoughts. Sometimes we are so afraid to confront this thought because it cripples us. You know, it is so... God, I, I just don't want to think through this. It's, it's, it's just so exhausting. You know, it's so, it, it, I feel so exhausted just thinking through that. But God's, God has given you because now, the key, the key, the key thing to this is, is remembering this aspect. Whose image are you made in? Come on, whose image are you made in? You and I are made in the image of God. So because you're made in the image of God means you've got this. You've got his power, you've got his ability, and you've got all of his ways to begin to handle the issue. Right? And my last point is this. Choose to focus your thoughts on the right things. 
choose to focus your thoughts on the right things. And Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. And I want to end with that. What are we, what are we thinking about? What, do we, what are we thinking about at this point in time? You know, what begins to plague our minds? What's plaguing your mind, friends? What is it that you believe you need to have, you need to see as a, as, as a mindset that needs to be broken? You know, sometimes you'll realize that we don't have a lot of the altar calls here because some things, particular aspects that we as pastors we've been discussing is this. This place is not a place for a quick fix. The altar call is not a quick fix for you and I. Because, you know, you hear, say, the suddenlies and all of that, and it does happen. That all does happen, but when that begins to happen, what then God is also then saying is this, I do this for you because there's a beyond for you. I do this for you because there is a further for you. And that's what you and I need to get into. What is beyond this? What is further from this place? What has God got for me that I am just dabbling with? Why do I consistently go into places that bring me, uh, you know, that, that, that allow me not that allow me, that, actually, that, 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 that become depressive. Why do I just get, why do I get anxious? Why do I this? Why do I that? I mean, there could be several reasons, friends. There could be chemical imbalances and all of that within our own bodies, right? I mean, w- women, you know, if you're going through menopause and all of that, you experience different things. I mean, men experience some other things too, you know? And so I understand there is a physical component and that's not what I'm bagging at all. Neither am I saying that's not an important aspect to consider. It is. But I think what is understated is this. The personal responsibility that you and I have in really taking captive thoughts that are debilitating us is not said enough. And I want us to think before we become the church that embraces thousands, before we plant churches anywhere else and everywhere else. I mean, we do have. But what about, what about this? Before, before we get out there and do all and, 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 and be these change agents, the mindset in us has to really begin to shift and change. This must be transformed. So the community in our mind must be transformed.